prizes, and other gifts, commemorative goodies, and even airplane tickets. For those who believe in the gods' power, the Lunar New Year is one of the best times of year to secure their blessings and protection, and to seek their help in making wishes come true. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Alan Chan is from Hong Kong, and he's the founder of OmniChat, which is a messaging platform for e-commerce customer services and marketing automation. That means that his company would then be able to monitor user behavior and let the customers install messaging services on their websites so that they can talk directly to the merchants. Hong Kong's e-commerce is not as popular and mature as Taiwan, and that is why Alan has stationed twelve of his sixteen employees in Taiwan, and that's why he travels to Taiwan once every month. Taiwanese online shoppers mostly like to buy clothes and makeup online,、um, according to his survey. His first startup online business, though, was selling mobile phone cases, but that failed because Hong Kong people like to change their mobile phones very, very often, and he he would end up with a glut of mobile phone covers. Alan said Hong Kong people can change their mobile phones once or even like twice every month. Can you believe that? Anyway, we're going to start today with talking about Alan's second startup. So my second startup is、uh, actually I, I'm doing the mo、uh, the mobile apps. Yeah, the mobile, mobile apps. Yeah, the mobile apps is used、uh, for people to sharing some kind of their lovely toys. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, online.、Okay. It's some kind of like Instagram for toys only. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you think of this? Yeah, because、um, uh, I have a group of friends. They love to、uh, the, collect toys. Yeah, to collect toys, and then、uh, they but they、uh, maybe they share on Facebook.、Um, at at that year is Facebook. Yeah, most likely. But because their friend is not the toy lover, so no one responds them. And then、yeah. oh, I got an idea is that oh, I, I think this kind of niche market、uh, still have some kind of market there.、Uh-huh. So I write an app. And then、uh, to、uh, give to this kind of people, and then let them to share the toys online.、Mm. Yeah. Okay.、Um, we're talking about secondhand toys. Do,、mm. I mean, do they exchange them or just? What do you mean by sharing? Yeah.、Uh, at the beginning, I just、uh, want them to just share on、uh, on our on my app only. Oh,、yeah. to just kind of like talk about yeah, their toy. No, yeah, there's no business model there at the、uh-huh. beginning. Yeah, because after some time, I、uh, as for me,、uh, it's a two C app. So I want to collect the user first, and then after we collect、uh, enough of user, I will I will pinch to have、uh, let them to exchange, and then I can collect the money in the middle. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, what happened to that? Yeah, but um, but actually, uh, it is not doing quite well. Yeah, because uh, I at the P, uh, I mean the user, the user growth is not uh as as much as uh, as many as, as I thought. You thought, yeah. And we talk about adults, right? Yeah, you know, exchanging toys or yeah. sharing toys. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, but I do I do have some kind of uh like the incentive from uh, to my. Uh, current business because uh, and the first the first business I uh, I am selling something online right so I collect a lot of the email every day uh-huh. yeah I need to reply them but it's too slow after I reply them they already uh, maybe because they can they want to buy something online right yeah. so if I they rep- want it fast yeah they want it fast after that uh, otherwise they just go around and then shop in uh-huh. another store yeah. yeah yeah that's and and also in the toy toy exchange uh i mean the toy sharing is also because uh i if they 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 had they love to uh communicate each with each other they just yeah. uh they they reply me that oh I, I share some kind of toys on on your app yeah if i can have a function that i can communicate with uh, the interest people and then they, they will be good yeah that that's come to my uh current business that I uh, I can let I can I, if I can have a check uh, put it on your website and to let you to communicate with your customers yeah it will increase yeah your engagement and also uh-huh. the conversion way oh. yeah let's come up with this idea oh interesting now I, I'm I suppose when adults when they collect toys yeah they're not like Barbie dolls or you know a, a stuffed animal. Yeah, they're probably toys from around the world, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Not that I have anything any interesting toy to share on this platform, but I would be very curious and interested to learn about what other people are collecting, what kind of toys they're collecting mm. from around the world. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would be someone who would enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. But I probably should get a toy myself first to share with everybody. Very interesting ideas that you have, yeah. you know. It seems like you still have a very childlike heart in you. You know, even you're already a father of two kids. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, so OmniChat sounds like it's, it's, it's really good. Um, what do you think about Taiwan? I mean, mm. you've been here... Mm. Uh, wait, since you started your business, which was 2017. 17, but right? uh, I entered Taiwan in uh, 2018. Uh, okay, so maybe a year to two years that you've uh, yeah. been traveling to Taiwan. Yeah. So you, you're getting to know Taiwan a lot. Yeah. So what do you think about Taiwan? What do you I, think about, how, how about first, what is it like working with Taiwanese people? Oh, oh Taiwan people actually, they are really hardworking. Mm. Yeah. And then, uh, because, uh, uh, I'm an engineering background, right? Uh-huh. So for in Hong Kong, um, a lot of them uh, they they don't have uh, uh, for young for young people uh, after they graduate they don't have the um, I mean the objective oh. uh, on their life or maybe career life. Uh-huh. Yeah. Whereas Taiwanese do. Yeah, the Taiwanese the, young people. Yeah, do? but the Taiwanese young people they have a really good objective and then on their career. Yeah. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Why do you think there's this this difference? Yeah, because uh, I interviewed them, and then when I talk about okay, uh, what is your uh, objective in the uh, next five years, they can clearly uh, describe it. Right. Right. Yeah. But why do you think there's that difference between Taiwanese people and Hong Kong people? 
Oh yeah, because uh, it it is something like that. Uh, like I interviewed some kind of uh, first graduate people in Hong Kong yeah. uh, for the youngest, and then maybe they they don't really think of uh, how is my life. Uh, they don't um, think that much. I yeah. mean, I mean, I mean, gosh, it sounds awful. But yeah, uh, yeah. why is that though? Maybe uh, due to their education. Yeah. What does that mean? So, like in Hong Kong. Um, they just teach them a, a, an old school things, yeah, uh-huh. for for the programming side or whatever, yeah. That's that's why they uh, didn't know uh, that uh, after they graduate, oh, what kind of the real world, uh, what it, it is about. Yeah, yeah. That's why you know I've been back here twenty nine years, and I yeah. really uh, encourage Taiwanese people to travel abroad more, yeah. to see more of the world, you mm. know? And good for you, even though you said you've never lived anywhere else except Hong Kong. Yeah. But um, but your business is making you travel, get out of Hong Kong and see Taiwan at least. Yeah. Where else have you traveled besides Taiwan then? I've been to US, uh, United States. Oh, you've been to the States. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for leisure? It was uh, vacation or uh, uh, business? It's, it's, for, it's for vacation only. It was vacation, yeah. right? Okay. And anywhere else? And London. London? Yeah. Also for vacation? Yeah, for, for vacation, yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you. Yeah. Good for you. But um, especially for Taiwanese people. Mm. I think in the beginning when I first came back, um, I got the feeling that Taiwanese people think that they're proud of themselves. Yeah. And I think there are things that we should be proud of. Mm. But um, And we think that we're good. Yeah. But I'm saying that, well, yes, we are good, but mm. we can be better. If you were to get out there and see more of the world. Yeah. Because the world is not just limited to this small island. And yeah. we are such a small country in this you know, big world. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hong Kong's even smaller. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Uh, anything else that you feel about Taiwan? Oh, I think uh, if for traveling and around Taiwan, it's the uh, I feel really uh, cool about the light and what because you know Hong Kong is really crowded. Yes, yeah, uh, crowded. You know, ev- ev- yeah, you go everywhere and then you see a lot of people and then you have you don't have the mood to travel. Yeah, especially oh, in the coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially in the recent few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That but is true. Uh-huh. In, yeah, but in in Taiwan, actually, uh, it has a lot of uh, other space, and then it feels good for me. And I feel really comfortable to stay here, <laughs> other than Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, who knows? Maybe this will be eventually your home sometime <laughs> down the road. Yeah, maybe. But um, um, yeah, I I know in Hong Kong. All the high rises are very, very high. Mm. You know, everything grows upwards. Yes, exactly. yeah. There's a little space. Yeah, and you're and 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 it's so convenient mm. in the sense that all you have to do is just go downstairs for shopping and grocery, and everything yeah. is downstairs, and you go back up to your apartment. Yeah, yeah. Right? And actually, in Hong Kong, in recent years, uh, light, uh, they they just. I mean, uh, if you go shopping, right? So you can only buy some kind of standard goods. Yeah, you mm. don't have a, a, some kind of like the a cultural things. No, no, this kind of shop. All the, all the uh, small shop is already closed. Oh, yeah. But oh, in okay. but in Taiwan, actually, we still have some kind of like the young people. They can oh, and, and have a small shop, and then uh, to sell some kind of uh, the uh, the cultural things. Yeah, and then it is other than just the kind right. of the public things, or even like sell their own. On their own creative, handmade, yeah, handmade exactly, stuff. Exactly, exactly. And there's always, we always encourage them to have space for them to exhibit, mm. you know, the, their creations and their inventions and everything. Yeah. yeah. 
And I think that that's all good, but I think、uh, Taiwanese people have to learn how to brand themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's something that's well, maybe it's 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 getting up there, but、yeah. um, you know, because there, you you discover that a lot of young people are actually、mm. doing the same kind of things, and、mm. they should be grouped together. And、mm. try to promote themselves together,、oh, but、yeah. they're all too spread out.、Mm. That's what I've discovered. I don't、okay. know if I'm wrong or, or right or wrong about this, but <laughs> yeah. But anyway, oh wow. So,、um, anything else that you like about Taiwan?、Uh, the food. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get to that. Yeah, yeah. Any kind of food, or you, is there a favorite cuisine that you have?、Uh, because、uh, express so light market. Night market, yeah,、oh, yeah. But you know what? In Hong Kong, they used to have not anymore. 大排档 Now, 大排档 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, 大啊对啊 Yeah, 大排档大排档 But not anymore, right? Not anymore in Hong Kong. I know.、Right yeah. It's been a long time that、yeah. they've all gone from the streets. Yeah. But I used to just like eat out there. There'll be all kinds of seafood. They, they all come in little plates and little bowls. Yeah. And you just sit out in the in the open and just. You know, that's that's the Hong Kong style of night market. Yeah,、exactly. but no more of that. Yeah, yeah、um, what's that? Yeah, and, and when I when I'm young, yeah, still a lot of this kind of Thai pie and lots of good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in recent、mm. years, uh, um, a lot of them close. Yeah, well, I can understand.、Mm. I can think they want the government wants to keep it clean and、mm, you know、yeah. organized. You know, because. Hong Kong is such an international hub. Yeah, and they want to show a, a good, you know, image of Hong Kong. But sometimes I think it you is, need some to have some local yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, to and show then the people. tourists they love、yeah. to go this kind of place. I know. I yeah. Oh well. Anyway, maybe I'll make a comeback someday in the future. <laughs> That'll be great. Maybe that's a job for you. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I can carry you along. <laughs> no, I think I asked you earlier on. I mean, what do you do when you come to Taiwan? You say you come like at least once a month. Yeah. So what do you do when you come here? You look for more suppliers, merchants. Oh, yeah.、Uh, we look for like kind of a partnership, exactly. Partnership. Yeah, partnership. yeah because in our business,、uh, we partner.、Uh, we we provide our、uh, product、uh, on the e-commerce website, right? So we partner with some kind of e. Commerce platform,、uh-huh, yeah. In Taiwan, yeah, we partner with Nyuan App, another one called Waka, yeah.、Uh-huh. It is also a kind of the e-commerce building platform. Uh, they provide uh, their product to help the merchant to build a w- e-commerce website. I see. Yeah, and let them sell goods there. Wow. Yeah. So no wonder you come once every month because it's it's a never-ending list, right?、Uh, we have so many of these kind of platforms here in yeah, Taiwan. Yeah, of course.、Uh, another another thing is because we have a、uh, twelve people here, right?、So、yeah. Oh yeah. yeah come, right. Yeah, to communicate with them. Need to check yeah, on them. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> they're、okay. good. They're good. <laughs> All right. So has this helped you improve your Mandarin Chinese? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I remember、okay. at the beginning,、uh, come to Taiwan, two thousand eighteen, my Mandarin is not not too good actually,、uh-huh. but I st-、uh, at least、uh, I can hear a lot, and then I can and when I talk, and then a lot of them always understand what what I'm talking、oh, about. Oh、yeah. right, I think、um, maybe you know for the Hong Kong people to improve their Mandarin Chinese is the same as for Taiwanese people to improve their English.、Oh, Don't、yeah. you think so? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Taiwanese people are just too shy to speak, you know, English. I don't、mm. know; they're so afraid of making mistakes. Oh, I see. So yeah, yeah see, you see that problem. Okay,、yeah. so you know, maybe later on when you go to appointments, yeah, throw in some English, test their English. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Give them practice. Yeah. Okay. 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 Well, thank you so much, Alan. It's been a lot of fun talking to you, and you. Um, good luck with everything you're doing. I'm so glad you're seeing Taiwan as a big market for your business. Hopefully, there will be a lot more partnership and a cooperation in the future thank for you. you. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. Thank, thank you. Classic Shorts: Stories from Chinese History and Literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. There are a lot of traditions that go along with Chinese New Year, and most of them have an interesting legend behind them. This month, I'll be presenting the stories behind Chinese New Year traditions. Now, this is a happy holiday for children because they are on the receiving end of. Getting red packets full of money. They get it from mom and dad, aunts and uncles, grandparents, and friends of their parents. Though some of the younger children may be forced to give the packets to their parents to hold on to, some of them can spend it however they want. Now, how did this happy tradition for children start? When you mention Chinese New Year legends, most people talk about the monster Nian who would eat. People alive on Chinese New Year, but there was also another evil being, a demon named Sui, that came to terrify children when they were asleep. Not only would the demon Sui scare children if he touched them, they would get a terrible fever and even become mentally unstable. Sui could also control the children so that they wouldn't be able to scream. Needless to say, Chinese New Year's Eve was a nerve-wracking time for parents of young children. Most parents were afraid to go to sleep for fear Sui would come attack their children. What are we going to do? What if the demon comes and hurts our children? I have an idea. Let's stay watch all night. I'll light some candles, and we can stay up all night to protect our children. Now, the demon Sui would attack children when they were sleeping. But how will we keep our children awake all night? I have an idea. Let's give her something to play with, some coins, and have her wrap them in red. You know how demons hate red. So they gave their daughter eight coins, and she played with them in every way imaginable. She played for hours and hours, but by three o'clock in the morning, she was getting sleepy. Mom, Dad, what time is it? I've wrapped and unwrapped the coins in red paper twenty times already. Oh, I don't know if I can stay up all night. This was way before there was television and iPad, you know. Giving kids eight coins to play with was considered a pretty creative idea at the time. But there was another reason the parents gave their children coins. If the children couldn't stay up all night and fell asleep, parents would put the coins in a red packet and then. Put it under the pillow, honey. I don't understand. How are the eight coins going to keep our sweetheart safe? The coins are a bit magical, honey. They emit light and will scare the demon away. Let's watch and see what happens. So that was the plan. Put the red pocket money filled with coins under her pillow. Not long after their daughter fell asleep, the demon Sui smelled the sight 
of a sleeping child. Ha ha ha! There she is. I knew there was a sleeping child in this house. Now I'm going to possess her. <laughs> oh no, honey! He's going to kill our daughter. Don't worry, my dear. Just watch what happens when he sees the coins. I'm coming to get you. Another child to add to my collection on Chinese New Year's Eve. <laughs> I love this night of the year. So many children come under my spell. <laughs> Honey, I can't stand to watch this. Trust me, he won't be happy when he sees that red packet. What? Oh, what's this red packet doing under her pillow? I hate the color red. Oh, and what's inside? Oh, oh the light is blinding me. I can't take it anymore. I'm leaving this pad. Oh, what a relief! Our baby is okay. What happened, honey? The light from the coins almost blinded him. And look. Fairies came out of the coins to protect our daughter. Well, we better give our baby a red packet every New Year's Eve. And that's how the tradition started. And that's why red pocket money also has an interesting Chinese name related to the devil. During the Chinese New Year period, the married or the elderly give red envelopes to children. A red envelope is also called ya sui qian, which means suppress sui, the name of that demon, money. A red envelope is also called hong bao. Now, if you want to be cute during Chinese New Year, you can say the traditional greeting, gong xi fa cai, which means congratulations, get rich. Chinese people love to wish wealth on each other during the Chinese New Year, and then following that, you can say the rhyme, "Hong bao na lai, gong xi fa cai, hong bao na lai." That's a kind of silly way to greet someone during the New Year, wishing them wealth and asking them for a red pocket full of money. But now you know the legend behind this red envelope tradition. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts, and have a happy Chinese New Year. I'm Nanny So. Have a happy Chinese New Year. To news playlist, we've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you. Brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Today, we will first take a look at Post Monday Blues. The Lunar New Year holiday is over, and it's back to work. 
Psychiatrist Shi Jiazuo has offered some tips about how to handle those post-holiday blues. Having a one-week holiday is great, but so much time off can make it hard to get back into a normal routine once vacation time is over. Psychiatrist Shi Jiazuo says people having a hard time getting back to normal are not alone. Some of her patients reported dizziness, headaches, stomach aches, or diarrhea as they struggle to readjust. Mentally, they feel sluggish and might be late for work because of anxiety and poor sleep quality. She says it's important to start mental preparation for a return to the daily grind before the holiday ends. She suggests those having a hard time coping try doing some household chores. She also says not to stay up late. Lastly, for those who can just get out of the holiday spirit, she says it might be a good idea to bring in New Year decorations to work for a bit of festive cheer. Since the outbreak of novel coronavirus began in the Chinese city of Wuhan last December, Taiwan has reported nine confirmed cases of infection. Taiwan's culture ministry is doing its part to stop a novel strain of coronavirus from spreading. It is making sure patrons at ministry-affiliated theaters get checked for signs of illness before they are allowed inside. The ongoing outbreak of novel coronavirus has reached Taiwan at a less-than-ideal moment for traditional theater troops. With the Lunar New Year holiday now over, it's the start of a new theatrical season. The number of coronavirus cases in Taiwan remains small, but there's been heightened vigilance about possible transmission in public places, places like theaters. Still, the show must go on. Performances continue at theaters affiliated with the culture ministry, and for their part, theatergoers haven't let the virus keep them away either. On Thursday, patrons filled one ministry-affiliated theater at the National Center of Traditional Arts. The production featured auspicious theater pieces designed to get the new season off to a lucky start. The performance was as masterful as ever. The only difference was at the theater entrance. Center director Chen Ziming says that all patrons entering theaters connected with the culture ministry are now being screened for signs of fever before they can be admitted. Those with a body temperature above 37.5 degrees Celsius will be given a surgical mask and sent to get medical treatment. Theater managers hope this policy will keep patrons coming in and stop the novel coronavirus from stealing the spotlight. John Van Trieste, RT. News. And the government is warning sellers of surgical masks that they will face fines if they are found hoarding supplies or inflating prices. The warning comes amid as concern about the coronavirus outbreak centered in China creates a surge in demand for surgical masks in Taiwan. Logistics teams across Taiwan have been busy this week getting surgical masks to the places where they are needed. Demand for masks has shot up in Taiwan since the discovery here of several coronavirus cases linked to an outbreak in China. Surgical masks are a common enough sight in Taiwan, worn in public by both the sick and those trying to protect themselves from illness. But this recent surge in demand has overwhelmed supplies. One vendor estimates demand is now at more than 20 times above normal levels. The government has banned the export of medical-grade masks and has started rationing them out to stores. Since Tuesday, it's released six million a day, limiting purchases to three per person. It's helped, but some shoppers still report traveling to more than ten stores without finding any masks in stock. Though supplies are set to stabilize, there is still concern that businesses may hoard their stock, inflate prices, or misrepresent their goods while supplies remain short. 
One store in Nanto County has been forced to take carbon filter masks off its shelves after shoppers complained that they were mislabeled as medical-grade masks and marked up five times the normal price in violation of regulations. Stores that fail to follow regulations face fines of up to two million NT dollars, or 66,000 U.S. dollars, and the government is warning that those caught hoarding supplies or price gouging face fines of up to 50 million NT dollars, or 1.6 million U.S. dollars. John Van Trieste, RTI News. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. In the second half of today's program, we have three stories that are related to Yushan, Taiwan's highest mountain. Low temperatures over the past few days have brought rare snowfall to several mountainous areas of Taiwan. Yushan has seen accumulation of up to 25 centimeters. People driving down Provincial Highway 21 are being greeted with a rare sight, Taiwan's highest mountain, Yushan, covered in snow. The beautiful scenery has sent tourists and nearby residents alike driving up to the mountain to take a look. The management office at Yushan National Park says recent snowfall has piled up to 25 centimeters, the highest accumulation in the last 20 years. In southeastern Taiwan, meanwhile, the many trails and roads leading up to Taidong County's Jiaming Lake have also been covered in snow. Taidong County's tourism department is advising those coming to see the snow to dress properly as low temperatures are expected to continue in the area. Jake Chen, RTI News. And an eight-year-old boy climbed Yushan, also known as Jade Mountain, to fulfill a promise to his late mother. This eight-year-old boy is climbing Taiwan's tallest mountain, the nearly 4,000-meter Jade Mountain, all for the love of his late mother. They had planned to go up together one day, but she died last year, so he took her picture up with him. He believes mommy is in heaven, so he went up to be closer to her. He made it all the way to the peak and screamed, Mommy, I carried you to the peak of Jade Mountain. He fulfilled his promise to his mom 591 days after she passed away. I took her to Taiwan's highest mountain. You took mommy to see the highest mountain, right? The prettiest scenery. He fought altitude sickness on the way, and his father wanted to take him home, but he was determined to make it to the top, to be closer to his mom. My son lost one love in his life, so I hope that daddy can give him even more love. He's hoping mommy will come see him more in his dreams now. Natalie So, RTI News. And about a year ago, Taiwan's indigenous bear was sighted on Jade Mountain. The bear crossing the river is a Formosan black bear. It scared two forest officials when they spotted it 2,100 meters above sea level on Jade Mountain. Formosan black bears were listed as an endangered species in 1989. They're the only bears indigenous to Taiwan. They're adept at swimming and climbing and can easily outrun a person. But they try to avoid humans, so seeing one was a rare sight. 
The Jai Force management official said when he saw a big black lump drop from a tree, he was scared and ran away from it. After he calmed down, though, he realized it was a Formosan black bear. Formosan black bears don't hibernate in the winter like Asiatic black bears. They live in mountainous forests and move to lower elevations to find food. They like to eat fruit, leaves, roots, insects, and small animals. Though they can be aggressive, they rarely attack humans if they're not provoked. Formosan black bear sightings are very rare. No one knows how many of the endangered species still exist in Taiwan. Natalie So, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow. See you next week. Bye-bye. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. Beyond the specific case of Australia, there is a major concern in democracy. National security and terrorism are the perfect excuse for governments to try and limit freedom of the press, to try and control the narrative. Hello and welcome to this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. East Asia Director Bureau of Reporters Without Borders, or RSF, Mr. Sadra Alviani, takes us to look at more examples of the challenge of media freedom this week. From what happened in a democracy in Australia to government-controlled media in China, and he also analyzes the fake news situation in Taiwan, circulated largely, especially before the elections. We continue to look at some of the major countries in the world. First, in the Asia-Pacific region. Now, last year, the whole world, I think, was shocked by what happened in Australia. Australian federal police raided on a news corps journalist's home with the reason of national security. Now, what do you think of this? Is it a single incident? Well, beyond the specific case of Australia, there is a major concern in democracies. National security and terrorism are the perfect excuse for governments to try and limit freedom of the press, to try and control the narrative. Uh, in countries that used to be leaders for freedom of expression and freedom of the press, and of course the best example is, in, is the USA, uh, leaders now personally, consistently attack journalists. Uh, Donald Trump uh, is calling journalists the enemy of the people. This is very dangerous because when physical violence happens, 
against journalists, the politicians and public figures that use that kind of hate speech against journalists have their share of responsibility on what happens. Yes, you mentioned President Donald Trump, and actually the U.S. used to set a good example for the press freedom in the world. And with President Trump and with what happened in Australia, do you think that there will cause a ripple effect in the future in yeah. the area of press freedom? Yeah, to, to my knowledge, this is the first time the USA is marked in orange, uh, which is a preoccupying situation uh, in our World Press Freedom Index. Uh, this is setting a very bad example. In the world, there's more and more countries that uh, have democratic institutions, but that do not work uh, with a system that respects the democracy. I could mention Russia, I could mention Turkey, and of course, the fact that the President of the United States would consistently attack the media and call them the enemy of the people is a blessing for every dictator on earth. And many also say that Australia, a country that ranked 21st out of 180 countries, fired the first shot in the year 2019. What do you think? Do you think that would also cause an effect, especially in democracies in Asia? Yes, this, this, is, this is, of course, very bad. What you don't see when you look at the World Press Freedom Index map, the World Press Freedom map is the result of an index, meaning we, we rank countries and territories from 1 to 180, but actually the global note of every country is uh, decreasing. One other interesting story from RSF Reporters Without Borders is the number of journalists killed in 2019 was quote-unquote historically low. Now, Cedric, could you tell us why? Well, I'm not sure. It is really good news. Of course, uh, we're not happy when the journalist is being killed. But the problem in uh, nowadays world is that journalists just cannot cover some areas. So uh, one reason why there is less journalists killed is that uh, journalists cannot afford taking the risk anymore. And some uh, very important areas in the world, whether they are uh, war zones or controlled by militias or by mafias, are not being covered anymore by the press because it's too dangerous. Mm -hmm. According to your report, 49 were killed last year when we hope that they will come to zero in the future. And 389 are still in prison and 57 are held hostage. Now, why are journalists held hostage according to your research? Yeah. Yeah. Well, journalists represent the respect of uh, the fundamental values uh, that are stated in the Universal Human Rights Declaration. Journalists represent the rule of law, they represent the respect of uh, democracy, they represent accountancy for the people. They are a symbol that, uh, in many cases, dictators want to take down. Your report also shows that more journalists are being killed in countries at peace than in war zones today. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. More journalists are being killed in countries at peace than uh, in war zones today, uh, especially in Mexico, where uh, there is a massacre of journalists. Uh, not one month happens without uh, having a journalist killed in Mexico. But we must be careful that uh, killing of journalists 
does not reflect the entirety of a press freedom question. In some countries like China, where uh, not so many journalists are being the victim of such violence, the situation of press freedom is still extremely preoccupying. In China, for example, arbitrary detention is increasing. Also in Egypt and Saudi Arabia, I think many may not doubt what happens in China, but why in Egypt and Saudi Arabia? When you want to take the power from the people, you have two things to do. One is control the justice, the other one is to control the press. When you control the justice and the press, of course, controlling the army is best. And in these countries, this uh, is exactly what happens. When you control the army, the justice and the press, you basically have to press all freedom. You're listening to Underline brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong, and today I'm speaking with Mr. Cedric Alviani, East Asia Director of Reporters Without Borders, or RSF. In China, China actually holds one-third of worldwide total arbitrary detained journalists. Can you explain why? Mm, China is the worst tailor of journalists. Currently, there's uh, more than 120 uh, professional and citizen journalists uh, being jailed in China. Uh, in the past years, um, President Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party have made a terrible crackdown on journalism. They started by gagging the uh, public media and forcing them to uh, go back to that very old situation where they are the mouthpiece of the party. Uh, there was a terrible crackdown made on citizen journalists the people who tried and circulate independent information uh, when they realized that the uh, mainstream media were not able to do so. But in the past two or three years, um, the authorities in China have gone even further. And now um, a simple Chinese citizen uh, can uh, receive a heavy prison sentence for circulating information uh, online. There are actually many ways uh, to limit the press freedom. One way is the disconnection of the internet. For example, what happened in Myanmar last year. Now, does that happen to a lot of countries in the world? Yes, this happens more and more uh, in the world. The problem is that 10 years ago, we could see the development of internet as a beacon of freedom, as a way for the citizens in dictatorial countries to better share information. But this time is long gone, and nowadays, most uh, dictatorial countries have enforced a strict control on uh, the internet service providers. Uh, and this is, of course, um, a big concern for the future of freedom of the press in these countries. Uh, the Chinese authorities are being very active in trying to export their model of an internet that is based on control, censorship, and propaganda. And this is a major concern for reporters without borders because through the uh, Belt and Road Initiative, uh, the Chinese authorities are currently supporting a big number of countries run by non-democratic forces uh, in their efforts to control the internet and to control the media. Control the internet and now in some countries they just pass the anti-fake news, for example in Singapore. Yes, uh, these 
anti-fake news regulations are extremely dangerous because they are, of course, a great way to control the media. In the case of Singapore, it is obvious that the anti-fake news regulation was adopted by the authorities in order to have a tighter control on uh, the information that circulates. But even in democracies, uh, it is dangerous because currently regulation against fake news are kind of amateur and it's very difficult to know which result is going to happen. Uh, I would like to take the example of Taiwan. Uh, where Reporters Without Borders in the past year have been very active regarding fake news. There is a widespread concern from the Taiwanese that China or other forces uh, would uh, launch massive-scale fake news attacks before the presidential election, uh, and that this fake news attack could possibly destabilize uh, the democratic process. This is a concern that is uh, valid, and it's, of course, necessary for democracies to protect themselves. But the answer that is being brought so far uh, is not um, efficient. So far, the only solutions being proposed by every party and almost every stakeholder are repressive solutions that take place after the fake news contents have already started circulating, which means that uh, they cannot have any effect on the fake news. Reporters Without Borders insists that the only way for Taiwan to protect against fake news is to uh, significantly strengthen uh, the media environment significantly improve the way journalists can work so that uh, they would represent a filter for fake news before they happen. So how can Taiwan overcome the structural weakness <laughs> of the media? Strangely, the media is one of the least regulated sectors in the Taiwanese economy. This comes from the fact that uh, after Taiwan uh, became a democratic system, no politician wanted to be seen or be criticized uh, uh, as uh, trying and control the media. But it's very important to notice that organizing the media environment for the benefit of the citizens does not equal in controlling the media. It is the duty of the government to ensure that the media environment is properly organized and works for the benefit of the citizens. So far, the Taiwanese media sector works for the benefit of the media owners that have major conflict of interest. And this needs to be addressed because the threat of fake news in Taiwan will remain the same as long as the media are not able to provide uh, higher quality journalistic standards of ethics. Mm-hmm. What is your hope, uh, Cedric, in conclusion for the year 2020 for the global press freedom? It's very important that the people in democracies would realize that freedom of the press is fragile. It is an invaluable asset for citizens because without freedom of the press, you cannot guarantee the respect of democracy. You cannot guarantee the respect of the rule of law. You cannot guarantee the respect of human rights. And we are at a time when democracies must unite against the forces that try to suppress freedom of the press. 
we are at a time when the Chinese authorities are developing a worldwide plan to suppress the very concept of independent journalism and replace it by the concept of state propaganda. If the citizens of democratic countries do not pressure the governments, uh, we cannot guarantee that the next generation will know what is independent journalism and what is freedom of the press. And we've been joined on the phone today by Mr. Sadri Alviani, East Asia Bureau Director of Reporters Without Borders, or RSF in French abbreviation. And that's it for this week's Online, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Then goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.